You're listening to the BC Bucket Podcast, the official podcast for Briarcliff University basketball. We're here in the coach's office at the Newman Flanagan Center. My name's Matt Gall, and we've got a little bit of a smaller crew today. Uh, we're recording at a different time, so Kevin Potterbaum couldn't join us today. And Bobby Beach Patterson didn't get the message that we had moved the time. So Allegedly didn't get the message. So, Coach, is that uh, who do we blame for that? Bobby. Well, uh, Bobby's excuse is that he wasn't aware of the time change. So I think he wants to blame Coach Figuera for that. And I think we all know how that's going to fly with Coach Figuera. So, uh, Bobby, get here on time next time. Rule number 76, no excuses, play like a champion. That's right. And so, uh, as you heard, Coach Figueres is here as usual. And then the third member joining us here today at the table, uh, we've got a special treat for everybody today, a familiar face around Briarcliff and around the basketball program. And that's 2015 uh, Briarcliff alum and former student coach Jake Bilt is in town here. And I know the OG student coach of Briarcliff basketball. Jake, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks. I just want to give my two cents on that whole Bobby not being here thing. You know, a good student coach would know what time he has to be somewhere. And, you know, using excuses of having Coach Figuera not tell him, that's just that just doesn't, doesn't fly as a student coach. So I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Do you think that's a bigger offense than watching a high school football game during practice as a student coach? Uh, no, I don't think that's a bigger offense on that. I didn't think we were going to get in get into this this early but um you know maybe we'll save that for a little later later you on know, the podcast Bill, let's be honest we could just call this episode the roast of jake built yeah kind of like the uh michael scott office episode figure just gonna look over here every time boom roasted so you know i figured that's what it was gonna be but i came on here under my own power so here we are yeah so you know gall you're kind of a happy-go-lucky guy um you walked in here a little flustered a little stressed everything okay today christmas season got you down it is Christmas season, and, and I'm looking forward to that, definitely. But, uh, yeah, this morning didn't go quite as I would have normally drawn it up. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of start with a question. Are you guys familiar with the show The Walking Dead? Uh, heard of it. Don't watch it. Never okay. seen it. I've only seen a few episodes before, so I couldn't really tell you either. I don't watch it anymore because it just got terrible. But the point is, uh, it's a show. It's really just a zombie, your run-of-the-mill zombie apocalypse show. Uh, and it more so than than addressing what happens when there's zombies running around, it really addresses what happens when civilized society breaks down and all of those social norms and, and cultural traditions and things that you know really hold up how things work on a day to day and how we live our day to day lives, how fragile all that really is. And so this morning, <clears throat> I wake up. And we have a little one-year-old terrier mix dog. We got it last Christmas for the kids. And uh, I try to do my part once in a while by taking her for a walk when I can. Usually that falls to my wife because my work hours usually uh, have me go to work pretty early or come home late. Uh, so but this morning I looked at the temperature. It's 41 degrees. So I thought, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my dog. Good dog walking weather. A great dog walking weather. So I get the leash on her and I tell my wife, you, you just stay in. I'm going to take care of this today. It's a beautiful day. If you want to join me, feel free. But but otherwise, I'm just going to go out and enjoy some fresh air. So like I said a minute ago, you know, that show I talked about, The Walking Dead, explains what happens when society breaks down. And I got a little bit of a taste of, you know, I think the primal rage that's in my heart. And I got a taste of how I would respond to a societal breakdown. So I'm walking down my street. We live on a nice, quiet little street, not too far from campus here. We live right off of Stone Park Boulevard, which uh, is kind of a, a steep hill that heads up from Hamilton up to the hospital. 
And I get to the end of my street at Stone Park Boulevard, and I take a left to start walking down Stone Park, kind of towards campus or towards that fire station that's on Hamilton. And as I'm walking, I get to, I cross the street, and as I get to the opposite sidewalk, my foot hits something kind of hard. And uh, so I look down, and uh, what do I see but nothing other than a pile of snow and ice that the snowplow had moved in front of that sidewalk about 10 days ago, which is about the last time Sioux City received recorded measurable snowfall. So I look ahead of where my feet are about to walk, and there's about 50 feet of packed snow and ice on this sidewalk where I want to walk my dog down this steep hill. I look to my left on this corner, same thing heading the other way. So whoever the individual is that owns the corner property on Congress Avenue and Stone Park Boulevard decided they weren't going to take it upon themselves to clear the snow off when the snow flew. And uh, a day like today, a beautiful December day, I saw a lot of people out and about walking their dogs. When I saw that, I did what any red-blooded, midwestern, passive-aggressive person would do. And, uh, you know, I, I could have certainly called the police. I certainly could have went and knocked on their door. But instead, I went home, grabbed my shovel. Because as you know, there's two major motivators in life. The best motivators in life are pain and shame. And so I decided I was going to shame this homeowner into coming out and getting their sidewalk cleared. So I went home, grabbed a shovel, and started actually scooping their sidewalk for them. And about five minutes later, I looked at the time. It was just pure ice, so I couldn't, I couldn't even make a dent. So uh, I did decide to, to just go home and leave it there. But, uh, you know, I want to leave this little rant here with a message that, you know, if you're, if you're going to opt to live in an urban or a suburban or, or in a, a community where others around you rely on you clearing the public walkway that's in front of your home, please get out there. I get it. If it takes you a day or two to get out there and get things cleared off, that's fine. We talked about shoveling a yeah, couple what, of weeks what ago. Is the, what's the time limit? I mean, is 24 hours too much to ask? I mean, I think that's pretty reasonable. I think the city's supposed to get involved after a certain amount of time. I think you're right. I, but, I uh, say 36 hours max. But, you should have your sidewalk done. If you don't want to do your driveway, that's your deal. Just have be, your sidewalk clear. Just be a fellow human and uh, yeah. take life care rule. of that. That's just a good life rule. So, so we went up Stone Park Boulevard, which is fine went up the hill i wasn't ready for that my calves weren't ready for that but we walked up the hill instead and uh it, it turned out okay but that left a bad taste in my mouth so i just wanted to get that off my chest uh, i appreciate you guys listening to me this was a bit of a therapy session here yeah this was kind of a grind your gears section like peter griffin yeah you know when i got a text from you this morning when you said you wanted to rant for about five minutes when we got on the podcast i wasn't really expecting that but you know that's a very good point to bring up get your sidewalks clean so that uh the rest of the world can go at its own pace well when you text me about a rant i thought for sure it was going to be something that you and one of our former guests uh jay wright have been talking about on twitter i mean do we need to talk about this i mean you guys are almost fascist in your thoughts against people rolling their shorts in basketball yeah let's get right into it uh you know i know there were some games that occurred this week but let's start with the important stuff here so uh jay wright guest who was on the podcast a few weeks ago uh had tweeted something about the fad with with basketball players rolling their waistbands over towards the outside so the drawstrings and the tags are showing and that's something i've noticed uh, but something I really never spent a whole lot of time thinking about. And then when Jay tweeted that, you know, I realized, okay, somebody else caught that. Maybe what's going on with this? Uh, and I think I'm in the same camp with Jay that I, I either just don't get it. And maybe that's, I'll just chalk it up to ignorance that I don't understand it. But uh, what, what is the utility there? Is it a fashion statement? Well, is there some utility? What's going on? Things. So first of all, 
the National Federation of High School Athletics banned that. If you want to roll your, your waistband, you have to roll it in. You can't roll it out. So you can't have the white part exposed, um, which is stupid. Who cares? You know, and, and to your second part, you know, I think you and Jay are kind of in this old fuddy-duddy camp, you know, that you got to think back, Matt, when you were 16, 17 years old playing for Spalding Catholic High School, you were probably rocking some big baggy uniforms, and there were some 40-year-old dudes in the crowd thinking, oh, these kids, what, why are they wearing these baggy uniforms? And that's kind of what you are right now, you know? There's, there's fads and there's ebbs and flows in style and basketball, and, uh, you know, if you want to be an old fuddy-duddy, I, more power to you, but, uh, you know... I tell our guys all the time, if you want to look like an idiot, look like an idiot. You know, but I'm not going to tell you what to wear. I might make fun of you for it, but I'm not going to tell you what to wear. Yeah, you know, and I, I can see that fad, too. I coach seventh grade basketball, and the kids on our team are doing that, too, where they're rolling the shorts and everything. So I'm also aware of that new rule, but, you know, in the front row with the no students there last night, it looked like everybody from uh, Bellevue had their shorts rolled. So it's a, it's a fad that's going, so... Old fuddy-duddy gall over here is going to have to get used to it. Like I said, I, I, I pose the question, is it, is it fashion or utility? That's, that's all I'm asking. I'm, I'm not claiming that it's the wrong I know oh, I'm well, around about it, sidewalks. I, I think it's fashion. Okay. I don't know that there's necessarily a utility to it. I mean, if you really think about it, having your shorts shorter should be more functional than having big baggy shorts that you and I would have played with. Um, you know, that just makes sense to me, but... I think it's all a fashion thing, and I'm sure a couple NBA guys started doing it a few years ago, and it just slowly trickles down into into college and high school and middle school and everywhere else. So, well, I know with the fashion side of things, I know like Under Armour, they'll have their logo on the waistbands when you unroll them. So I think a lot of kids like to show that off a little bit too, where you know they got that Under Armour logo showing when they do the one roll. So, so Jake, look into your crystal ball here. And uh, tell me, five years from now, what's the brand new f crazy fad that no one saw coming? Man, that's that's a good one. But you know, I think I think the headbands are going to be making a strong comeback here eventually. You know, the sweatbands and no show socks. They're coming back. You know that that the, it's funny you mentioned that Sfigera because you were always a no show sock guy at practice, and then you know there's a couple times where Sfigera broke out some mid high socks and he went with the straight look, which that's eh, kind of iffy. You know, you got to have a little bit of a bundle down there, so it's not just straight. But Spaghetti came to practice a couple times with the Miz to try to show you his hip and trying to be cool. So I, I've never conformed to fashion norms. You know, back in when I was playing, I wore mid highs when everybody was wearing no shows, Jake. So you know, let's not critique my fashion. Yeah, I remember when the the low uh, Adidas superstars hit Spalding Catholic too. I don't know how many rolled ankles occurred as a result of that, but uh. Well, we better talk about some basketball here because uh, that's really the reason we're in this room. And so uh, you guys played a couple games last week, and, and we'll start with Northwestern. And I know it's the season for cookies and candy, but, Coach, we're not going to sugarcoat this one. That was a butt kicking. What happened up in Orange City? Well, yeah, and we told the guys that too. You know, there, there's no nice way to put it. We got whooped on Wednesday. And, uh, you know, I think of the wise words of Lance Creech. You know, he's a guy I worked for. I brought him up on the podcast before. And he's going to be a guest at some point. But he, he once told me, sometimes you're the pigeon and sometimes you're the statue. And uh, we were the statue. And if you don't get that reference, I'm sorry, but figure it out. Um, you know, and it, it was one of those games, we never really got a good flow of anything going. And, and that really hurts our offense in particular when we don't have a good flow, a good rhythm. And uh, they did a good job trying to keep the ball out of, you know, certain guys' hands. I thought they did a good job, you know, frustrating some of our players. And, and what ended up happening was – we got down a little bit, 
we started pressing, forcing some tough shots that, that weren't good shots, even if we made a couple of them. And that just – that's not a sustainable recipe offensively to, to continually shoot bad shots and take tough shots. And we turned it over a few times. On the defensive side, I mean, it would, there really wasn't a positive that came from it, you know, other than really showed us some, some bad stuff on film. Uh, but they carved us up. Um, we did a poor job rebounding. And, uh, you know, it's one of those games, there's, there's two ways you can take it. You know, you can, you can learn from that and, and understand that every single night in this league, especially on the road, you better be ready to play at a high level. Um, and you learn from that, and, and we see some things on film that were glaring weaknesses for us, and we fix them. Um, or it can really damage a team's psyche. You know, I, I've been on teams and a part of teams that a loss like that could send you into a tailspin for a couple weeks. And uh, we're going to talk about yesterday's game here in a bit, you know, and I, I think I think we saw that our guys, for the most part, learned from it and, and got better because of it. And that's what you hope for. You try to find that silver lining. You f try to find the teachable moments. Uh, you know, I'm, I think everybody in the room knows I'm pretty hyper competitive. You know, I don't like to lose, period. But if we can learn something from it um, and get better because of it, that's that could be a positive thing for us. You know, we talk to our guys a lot about continuous improvement, you know, and not temporary perfection we want continuous improvement um, as the year goes on we want to keep getting better and better if this is something that's going to help us do that then you know we're going to be okay with the loss and get better from it so that I mean that's about it we didn't really play very well Jay Wolf had a, had a nice offensive game I think he had 22 for us or, or 24 maybe but you know other than that it just uh, it was what you said it was a whooping and you guys will get them again here on February 6th where they'll come to town. So, uh, you know, like we talked about Morningside after a, a close, tough loss with those guys, that's the nice thing about this conference is that you always get another shot. So we'll, we'll see them again here in a couple months. But there's more basketball to play this week, and that was with a 76-73 to 73 win at home yesterday against Bellevue. And that's a game, uh, Jake, I know you were here, and you had the best seat in the house for the, the game-winning three at the end by Jackson Lamb. And we'll get to that here in just a quick second. But, Coach, you guys, you know, kind of – you came out – hot in the first couple minutes and then real quickly that went away and you were down into a you know a pretty good hole and that's you guys made a, a real nice second half push and turned things up defensively and and had a nice comeback but that's I think three games this year where you came back from double digits or, or real close to double digits um, and you know I think the post Erdman team you know really grew up a lot in that second half yesterday yeah there's no doubt about that and you know in some ways there were some similarities to how yesterday's game was developing just like Wednesday's was um, the big difference was we kind of kept fighting at the end of the half and and we took the deficit from 15 down to 10 made a couple nice plays late in the half and you know we told the guys at halftime other than turning the ball over and getting out rebounded we didn't play that bad you know we offensively we shot 61 percent in the first half but only scored 33 points because we didn't have enough you know we just didn't get enough shots because we turned it over and a couple of them were really careless ones that we don't want to have that led to points mm -hmm. you know I think we had at least two of them I call them pick six turnovers where the other team just gets it and goes the other way pretty much uncontested and so that's obviously four points for Bellevue but that's taken away a chance for us to score and so those really hurt us we cleaned that up in the second half um, and it really came down to our defensive intensity um, we thought it was really good for about 20 seconds of possessions in the first half. And I thought we really gave in and just kind of relaxed at the end of possessions. And we gave up a lot of points, you know, in that 
shot clock countdown time. And, and that was the biggest change in the second half defensively. We just dialed in a little more for a little bit longer, made some big plays, got some big rebounds. Um, you know, and that was the key to getting us back in the game. And offensively, I, I think we started to see some things that were going to – that could be successful for us, you know, moving on in, in what you call the post-Erdman time now. Um, and it is. It's just different, you know, without him out there. And, and he was he's so dominant with the ball and so good with the ball. Um, you know, and now we're kind of transitioning Jay Wolf into that position. Um, and, and he's not a natural point guard. He can certainly play it and play it at a high level. But he might not have the, you know, 15 years of instincts as a point guard that Eric did. Um, but we started to see some things. When we moved the ball, you know, just like always, we moved it. We got some extra passes in there, a couple offensive rebounds. Really good things happened. And then, obviously, late in the game, you know, we were disappointed. We, we let them hit a three to tie it, and it was really a tough shot. It, it wasn't guarded poorly. Um, but we came back down, and I could just see it in, in a couple of the guys' eyes. They, they were very confident we were going to win the game there. And uh, I'm not that smart. I, I know – well enough to put the ball in Jay Wolf's hands in that situation and kind of go make a play. And that's what he did. And and the beauty of Jay is he's a phenomenal scorer, but he's also unselfish and he's going to make the right play. And it, it was the right play. They double teamed him, give it up. Jackson made the shot, ball game. Jake, you've seen some big shots here in this gym, obviously from your time here. Um, but tell me about you. I know you were sitting over in that corner, kind of in the, the Blue Crew corner, which was pretty empty, obviously, with people on break. And I know you were doing your job to make sure that uh, our student section was, was as loud as could be with two or three people in it. But uh, tell me about that shot and just how crazy you guys were going over there. Yeah, so we actually were uh, – I was sitting next to Jordan Comstock, and we were kind of sitting there, and we were wondering what Figueroa was going to do coming down the court. You know, there's 32 seconds left. We didn't know if they are going to hold for the last shot or try to, you know, go quick, get a bucket, and, you know, play some defense on the other end. But, obviously, you know, they waited for that last second shot. And, yeah, Jordan and I were sitting over there, and we saw Wolf driving towards us. We thought he was going to try to turn and cut to the hoop and go up strong, maybe draw a foul or something. But, like Coach Figueroa said, you know – Jay always knows what to do, make the right play, kicked it back. Jackson hit a clutch step back three there, you know. You know, he hadn't made a couple shots in the game earlier, but it's just that confidence that, you know, the coaches try to instill in the guys that anytime you're ready, you know, it's your time. So, you know, Jackson, like I said, hit that clutch shot. And, yeah, we erupted over there, all three of us that were sitting in the section. But, yeah, it was a great win for the guys coming back the way they did and fighting back. There was actually a point where, you know, I think they were down about 15 and Comstock and I started watching just Figueroa's antics on the sideline, kind of yelling at the floor at times, getting in the ref's ears, but it was a great comeback win by the guys really fighting. And, you know, I think that's going to be huge go for them going forward. At the scorer's table, we thought we had the play pegged. We thought it was going to be something where you guys tried to draw either a double team on, on Wolf or try to get them a little more active in the middle and then kick out to Lutmer in the corner because he was kind of camping out down there. And then when we saw him go down there, we thought for sure we had that play pegged. Um, but how about Jackson having the wherewithal, too, when he had the ball to make sure he made that defender miss and also you know, the patience to know I've still got enough time here to get up a good shot and, uh, you know, he, he scored up, I think, as good as he could have there with a guy right on his, his right shoulder and, and just nailed it the way, a, you know, a, a veteran player would. Yeah, and, you know, it goes back to, number one, just confidence some of our guys have. And, you know, Jackson was, I think, 0 for 5 from 3 up to that point. And, again, I, I told him last night I, I'll go to him in that situation every time because he's going to have the confidence and the, you know, and the toughness mentally to, to make that play and, and handle it if he misses it. You know, we 
we ran a play for him when he was a true freshman in the conference tournament championship game. He missed a three, mm-hmm. you know, to tie the game. And he, he and I talked about it a few weeks ago and just said, well, we knew you could, could handle it. So, um, but yeah, he, he did a good job in it. As it turned out, it was their big guy that closed out on him. And that's, that's going to be a mismatch almost every time um, when you have a guy who can shot fake and sidestep like Jackson does. Um, and to your point, Matt, Nick was wide open. You know, and so he would have been there too. And I think uh, the play we actually ran is just a simple ball screen, Jackson for for Jay. And I think that was Jay's first look. You know, when he saw he couldn't get anywhere with it, I think back to Jackson was his first look. And so, yeah, we'll take it. I I, I won't take credit for anything. I just, like I said, kind of said, Jay, take it, Jackson, ball screen for him and make something happen. So they did. And we're not in the shout out section yet, but I, I want to give a preemptive shout out to Kevin Potterbaum, the SID, who again isn't on the podcast today, but right before uh, that final possession, I think there were 30 seconds left or so, right when we got the ball, 32 seconds. Kevin had the wherewithal to make sure he sent one of his one of his student assistants up on the balcony with a camera to make sure they got video of that final play, just in case something special happened. So, good job, Kevin, by making sure that got recorded. And Jake, I think you got it on your phone too. Yep, I got that on Snapchat, so that was kind of fun. Showing the guys afterwards and everything, so had a real good angle from where we were sitting. So, so Coach, now looking ahead, uh, you guys leave town, uh, I think, uh, Monday morning. You fly down to Phoenix? Yeah, we, we're, we are leaving Briarcliff at 5 a.m. tomorrow morning, driving down to Omaha, and we're flying to Phoenix. Uh, we'll be there till Saturday evening, afternoon. Um, and we play Wednesday against Arizona Christian who is, I think, like number 12 in NAI Division One? They're like 10-1. and 1. They have a really nice team. Um, and then Thursday we play Benedictine University Mesa, who's still a, a pretty new program. It might be their third or fourth year, but they've done some nice things, and they're 8-4. and four. Um, And the two of them actually just played here in the last couple days, and Arizona Christian won that game by two. Um, you know, and it's, it's always interesting when we go on these trips and we, we play teams that we don't generally see that the, it's a different style. You know, games might be officiated differently, and that's something we'll talk to our guys about. You have to adjust on the fly, um, you know, because it's a different style for, for them, but the way we play is, is going to be different too, and they, they might not have seen teams that play the way we do. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. But, you know, being able to do something like this, we try to take a big trip like this every couple years, and uh, it, it's kind of a nice reward for the guys. You know, they just put in a, a hard semester academically. They finished up this past week. Um, obviously, you know, we have a good thing going basketball wise and any time we can spend together as a team is always so precious because the lifespan of a, of a, of a team is very short. You know, when you think about it, you're never going to have the same team two years in a row. And, uh, you know, so we'll, we'll talk about that too. Just enjoy this time we have together and, um, enjoy some sunshine for, for sure. It's supposed to be in mid seventies and sunny. So sorry for all of you stuck in the Midwest the next week. Cause we're looking forward to that part of it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're not going to have any problem with anybody not clearing their sidewalks out in Arizona. So that'll be nice for the guys to get out there and not have to worry about that like they do here in Sioux City. It's a big problem. The worst problem. Worse than getting up before 8 a.m. on a Sunday to mow your lawn. I'd rather have the neighbor out there mowing at 7. But we're not going to get back into that. We're already past that. And so, well, Coach, uh, safe travels to you guys, obviously, as you, you head down there. And hopefully the guys get some time, too, to just uh, bond a little bit and, and uh, get to know each other yep. a little bit better. Yep, they will. And we're I know Coach Shipley has a couple things planned. Uh, I love arbitrary competitions that don't involve basketball where I can talk a lot of trash to the guys. So let's turn our attention now over to our guest, uh, Jake Bilt. And uh, like I said, you were a student 
coach here. And I know every player and every student coach leaves their legacy on a program some way, shape, or form. Um, but you actually left your legacy with this program in a tangible sense. Uh, tell us a little bit about what uh, you're holding in front of you here on the table. Yeah, so um, it all kind of started out as a joke. When I was graduating back in 2015, uh, Coach Nelson came to me and said, hey, Bill, you know, you've been with us for three years. I'd like for you to kind of make a checklist of what you do before practice, before games, so that the other student coaches can become prepared. And, you know, it's kind of a seamless transition as, uh, you know, the new guys come in, Corey Hobbs, and I think it was – was it Mal that first year? So, you know, those guys coming in after me could take over and go seamlessly. Scared Nelson out the yell very much. So I started making a checklist one day. Nelson didn't have to yell at him very much. I still did. Yep. So, uh, you know, I started making a checklist one day, and I started realizing, I was like, dang, this thing's getting pretty long, and, you know, it's not so much a checklist anymore. So I actually ended up making a uh, student coaching manual. Um, it's written by your executive senior student coach, uh, Jacob Bilt. Executive senior student coach is that an official title or is that self-titled? Well, I'll I'll take that one. Um, I gave him that title. It's kind of like when Michael Scott made Dwight Schrute the assistant to the regional manager. You know, it didn't really mean a whole lot, but Dwight liked the sound of it, and uh, that's what we did for Jake. And you know, to to take it one step further, I actually had him official Briarcliff basketball business cards made with that title on him. Yeah, I actually received those at our uh, Christmas bowling party that one year. Um, you know, it was actually kind of shocking because Figueroa came up and said, hey, I have a present for you. And I thought it was going to be something, you know, something stupid that he was just going to try to troll me or roast me like usual. But, you know, that was probably one of the nicest things Figueroa did for me, and I really appreciated that. And I actually have one hanging on my fridge in my house right now. So this student coaching manual, you know, largely is a very well-written checklist to boil it all down, but very few checklists will come with uh, a very thoughtful, well-written forward. Do you want to tell us about what uh, what the forward is, who wrote it, and, and what those words mean to you? Yeah, no problem. Um, basically, uh, when I was writing this, I was trying to make it as good as I could, so I emailed Michael Collison, who was a student coach with me. You know, he was kind of more of a grad assistant role, but... Um, yeah, emailed him, and he said, I'd love to write you a foreword. So essentially, you know, it's just Michael talking about my relationship with the program and himself. You know, I think he says, you know, as a freshman, I was just kind of around all the guys, you know, assistant coach Shipley over there. I was just kind of hung out with them in their dorm room, and, um, you know, I think he puts down that, you know, I'd be drinking Mountain Dews with them at 2 a.m. and just hanging out just kind of there, even if the other basketball guys weren't. So then it develops into, you know, sophomore year. Michael is just kind of like, well, you know, he's still built. He's still a student coach. Doesn't really mean a lot, but. I'm pretty sure he compared you to the left brake on a bicycle. Yeah, and nobody uses that. So I was pretty worthless, um, according to Michael. So, you know, we kind of did that. And then junior year, uh, you know, Michael was with me. So he kind of got to see the ins and outs of being a student coach. And that's where he really saw what I did, you know. And I think after that, he compared me to the oil on the chain, you know, the kind of things keep going smoothly. Um, and at the end, you know, the most important part to me, though, is that at the end, you know, he comes up and says, you know, he's my friend now, where, you know, it starts out as a freshman, he didn't really know who I was, but that's all it was about here at Briarcliff and the basketball program is, you know, we're a family, we're friends. And so, yeah, it's that's the main thing with that forward was, you know, Michael ended up writing about everything I did, but at the end of the day, you know, we're all a family, we're all friends now. So that's the main thing that I took from it, which – gives me 
gets me a little choked up at times, but right now I'm good. So, you know, in the beauty of this manual, um, number one, it's pretty funny. Um, there's a lot of good information. I, and I do know our student coaches since then have used it, you know, as just kind of an outline. Corey Hobbs, when he finished, actually added some chapters to it or, or made additions to each of the chapters already there. And I'm, I'm going to make Bobby do it too when he's done this year. So it's, you know, it's, and it's, it goes back to the, the legacy I've talked about of student coaches we've had. We've had so many good ones, um, you know, and they just they keep kind of keep adding on and then the position evolves. And, I mean, it, it's a legitimately big part of our program. It's not just guys are doing laundry. It's, it's so much more than that. And, and so we've been fortunate to have so many awesome guys in that role. Yeah, you know, so like Figueroa said, you know, I try to make it a little funny, kind of go with my personality and Figueroa's personality. So, you know, chapter one is called practice. And I start every chapter out with a quote. So I know I did the Allen Iverson practice quote where, you know, we're talking about practice, which, you know, a lot of guys, they don't see the importance of that. And especially for a student coach, um, you know, I'm sure we're going to get into the story of the time at practice where I might not have been taking it as serious as I should have been. And I got yelled at for it and deservingly so. So, you know, it's a bunch of different chapters. We got laundry in there, um, home games, road games, national tournament. And then uh, the one chapter, chapter six, uh, Coach Figuera, which at the time I was here, he was only an assistant. So, you know, it's taken a whole new meaning now since he's the head coach. But Did you hear that? Jake Shipley, only an assistant. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Ship. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of funny. We've already had a couple office quotes because the, uh, the quote for Coach Figuera's is, uh, would I rather be feared or loved? Easy. Both. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. Which, if you're a student coach, uh, Segura will put a little bit of fear into you. So, but at the end of the day, you know he's he's a great coach and wouldn't have wanted to do it for anybody else. So, um, I don't know if we want to touch on a couple of those things, or if you have any that you saw that you'd like to touch on. Or well, it says he's a big believer in spearmint gum. It's specifically spearmint gum, not just gum. So, coach, is that is yeah, that... spearmint's the best gum there is, definitively. Well, and see what happens. And, and and Jake would try to come at me with extra gum. And I'd tell him, spend the 20 extra cents and get some five gum. Yep. Five rain is the best gum there is. And, and back when I was an assistant, you know, I would chew a lot of gum during games. I, I don't do it as a head coach because I'm up and I yell. And at some point it's going to land right on the floor. One of the officials is going to step on it. It's going to be a whole thing. So I just decided I'm not going to chew gum during games. But uh, still do before games, but not during. Yeah, I think, you know, when I was a student coach, I think I had three separate packs of gums in my pocket. You know, one for Figuera. Because if I didn't have a piece of gum before the game, I was going to hear about it for the rest of the game. Um, Austin Poland had me put gum in my pocket. Had he to was, have some kind of fruity gum for Poland. Yep, Poland was Watermelon always, or citrus twist or something like yep, that. Yep, so I always had one for him. And then Odding and Comstock were always, you know, they'd want me to get get them a fresh piece after every, you know, timeout or whatever it was. So I had, per game, I usually had about three packs of gum in my pocket. So um, one I would like to touch on here. Um, just kind of listening to the past podcasts and stuff, if you actually look at the bottom of uh, Coach Figueres here, it says, nobody will ever be as good as getting deals when ordering food as himself or Austin Bush. So, you know, that ties right in with what Figueres was saying about Austin Bush being on a wheel and deal and get himself some discounts at a good restaurant. I mean, on the verge of just being blatantly rude to people. But he got things done. You know, you couldn't argue with his results. Um, so... Bill, there's a couple things about your tenure that I, in my opinion, need to be talked about. Um, number one, this dates back to uh, would have been probably January of 2015, uh, your senior year. We were playing in the NAI game of the week down at Midland, 
I'm sure you know where this is going. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, the NAI Game of the Week, it's kind of an arbitrary thing. The NAI does it. doesn't really mean anything other than they're going to write an article about the game. Uh, but but it was a great game. Midland was in the top five, I think, and we were in the top 15. And that um, was kind of – it. We were both kind of in the race in the GPEC at the time, and it, it, there was a four-team race going on. It was just a huge game. And the uh, first time we played them, they were really good. You know, we had a nice team, like I said. And we won overtime. Um, just a just a classic game. I don't know that anybody led more than yeah. five or six points the whole game. Great game. And so we're – at the time, we always traveled with our women's team, so we would get to the gym ungodly early. And so we're sitting in the locker room, which at Midland is about a mile and a half away from the court yep. um, and up a couple sets of stairs. But anyway, we're sitting there, we're reviewing the scouting report, just talking to the guys about the game. And uh, something that Nick Nelson was really good at um, was, you know, when it was a, a big game, a tense moment maybe, or a tense pregame, he had a great way of breaking that up. And either something funny was going to happen, you know, he just did a really good job of that. And... Uh, he gave me. He shot me a look across the locker room, and I just knew something was coming my way. I was probably getting thrown under the bus. Um, and he said, "Hey guys, this is a big game. Here's the deal: if we win today, Coach Sfigera is going to race Jake Bilt in a 60 meter dash. So, also, when you talk about Midland's locker room, it's right off of their indoor track. Yeah, because that's that's also with the mile and a half that goes with it. You know, they got that track that's about 60 meters long and." Yeah, and, so and so he 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 looks at me. I said I'll do it. He looks at Jake. Jake says he he'll do it. You know, so the game's going on, and I don't really think much of it. I kind of forgot about it to be honest with you. Well, we get up there, and all the guys are just standing there cheering at the starting line, waiting for Jake and I to get up there. And so I I can't back out. He can't back out. No phone evidence was our one rule. So yeah, I told them they couldn't have had their phones out, and they were all in the locker room anyway. So that was good. I was really nervous. I had a brand new suit. I think it might have been the first time I wore it, and I was worried I was going to rip my pants. You know, because I'm, I'm not going to lose this race. I'm, I'm going all out. So we go, and, you know, I smoked Bill. It wasn't even competitive how bad I beat him yeah, in this race. He's not wrong there, and at I'm not going to try to make any least, false stories. At least 15 to 20 meters ahead of him at the end. You know, so I celebrate, of course. Well, Jake also pulled up. He pulled a quad yeah, but it was in about, the race. It was about halfway through the race. I saw Sfigura had about a five-meter lead on me. I'm like, you know, I got to – Debatable, Jake. I was like, you know, I got to try to get something going here. So I was going to try to throw it into – some extra gear that I know I don't have that I thought I might have had. So, you know, I tried to do it, and, yeah, I pulled up lane, pulled a quad. And uh, after the game, I think uh, Roger and Kathy Berg about cried laughing when they saw me carrying the bags because I was limping pretty hard afterwards. And they saw that, and they're like, what the heck What the heck happened to Jake? And so I actually got home that night and threw some ice on my quad and got an injury from uh, running. But, you know, just to touch on that game quick, it was, it was a very good finish, you know. Um, I remember it just like it was yesterday. Uh, we, you know, Midland went ahead by two with about three to four seconds left. Um, Graves got the ball out of the hoop, went down the court the other way, went up, made a layup. I think I was out screaming on the court, and I think uh, Nelson had to pull me back because he was afraid I was going to get a technical. I was so hyped up, and you know that would have been about the only time I could have ever got a technical. But yeah, we ended up winning overtime, and that was probably one of my favorite memories at Briarcliff, uh, especially you know at our senior banquet. Um, I think three of the five seniors said that that was their, you know, funniest memory at Briarcliff uh, during their time in the basketball program. So, you know, I guess leave my ma- legacy with the pulled quad. So, all right. So the other thing we have to talk about, Jake, you know, and I, I mentioned it earlier. You basically skipped a whole practice. I mean, you were there physically, but <laughs> mentally you weren't there to watch a high school football game. Yep. That and if I'm not mistaken, you were at the youngest a sophomore in college. You know, so here's the background. 
Bilt was really set up on this day. Um, he was gonna watch, He was gonna put his iPad in his coaching clipboard and watch the Carroll Kemper, his alma mater, play in the state championship football game. Bunch of the guys ratted him out to Coach Nelson and I, you know, and we never really missed on an opportunity to mess with Jake. So we were just gonna kind of keep it to ourselves and wait for a, a moment, and Coach was just gonna rip him. So we're doing a defensive drill, a, a tough one to boot. And uh, there was a, a quick stop. It worked out perfectly. Jake opened the coaching clipboard to check the game, and Nelson saw it, stopped practice, asked him what he was doing. See, he, he froze, admitted it, yeah. knowing that you, you can't lie in that situation. And for about 20 seconds, Coach just gave it to him about how hard the guys are working, and he's not even engaged in practice yep. today, and this and that. And Jake was pretty scared. You could tell. And uh, well, the most impressive thing is that, that Nelson could keep it going for so long um, without cracking a smile. And then after about the 20 seconds of Jake just getting ripped, everybody in the gym just starts dying laughing. Everybody knew it was coming except for him. He had been completely set up. Yeah, so to go off that a little bit, you know, if you watch on the sidelines now, they actually still have one of those clipboards. They're actually kind of see-through. So I actually didn't even have to open it. I could just kind of push the top down a little bit and be able to see what was going on. So... Yeah, at the time, you know, we had a couple other Kemper guys, and we were actually recruiting uh, Sam Brinks and Cole Neary, too. So, you know, I was kind of watching it, kind of trying to keep the coaches informed or thinking I was going to be able to do that. And, uh, yeah, Nelson laid into me, and I was stuttering. I'm like, uh, uh, it's, 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 it's my iPad. Uh. And so, and the worst part about it was the girls' practice had just got done. So they're all walking across the top, and all the girls are watching, and I'm just standing there, legs shaking, thinking I'm going to get thrown out of practice or something. And, you know, yeah, so Kemper ended up winning, and, you know, Coach Nelson uh, was like, yeah, let me know how they do so I can shoot him a congratulations text or whatever later. But, yeah, that was probably about the most scared I've ever been in my life. Um, you know, it was it was not a fun ordeal for me. And, you know, I think Svigera was trying to hold back tears from laughing when he saw, you know, how scared I was. So. So, Bobby, this was perfect timing. Bobby Beach Patterson just joined us, and he's here, um, and he heard that story. What's the worst you've gotten chewed out by Coach Figuera? Well, first of all, I think he showed up late today. because Are, are we in, about to see it? He are was intimidated the by right the now? presence of Jake Bilt being here. It's funny you bring that up, too, Figuera, because uh, yesterday um, Ethan Erdman in the locker room said, Figuera, how much is it going to take to have Bilt go get a sweater vest and sit on the bench beside me instead of Bobby? So... I think they still want me on the bench a little bit, but... You know, I'm just going to talk, uh, just me personally, I would also like to have you on the bench still. And I'd have, I'd have been all for it. There's no doubt in my mind I'd have went on the second level and I was more than willing to take take offensive stats on the second level. And like you said, the shop code is right down the road, so if push came to shove, you could go get a sweater vest. So so what's the worst What's the worst Figueres yelled at you? So one of the jobs that I have as student coach is I uh, call ahead for pregame meals and get deals and discounts, and I also do that for postgame meals as well. And it just happens uh, that Hastings, Nebraska has two McDonald's, and we were playing Hastings uh, in Hastings last year and uh, got pounded a little bit by Hastings. And uh, right beforehand, uh, we we're going to go to McDonald's, get a double quarter pounder meal, uh, large, of course, and... Uh, we're going to have them all individually sacked and ready to go so we can just get going and get on the road because obviously Hastings long trip. So I ended up calling the one Hastings McDonald's, and they didn't do a deal or discount for us. So I said, all right, well, it's really good that we have two of them. So I called the other one. We were able to get a discount. Well, long story short, we ended up getting to the McDonald's that I thought I called that I know 100% to this day I called, and it was that one. And uh, obviously after the game, Coach Figueres is pretty heated still. 
And we get in, and we walk in, and the lady goes, uh, we don't know what you're talking about as far as a basketball team coming in here. So we had no food ready. And this just really set him over the edge. And I, I, I heard about it a little bit. And honestly, I just want to thank Coach Schultz because he actually saved me big time from just getting even ripped even harder. Mostly factual so far. You know, and, and I'll tell you the, the ins and outs of the whole situation. Yeah, we got whooped that night. I wasn't in a good mood after the game. There are two McDonald's in Hastings, Nebraska, and I know Hastings really well. As, you know, I've talked about, I coached there for two years. From Hastings College, it's about 15 miles north to get back to I-80. The first McDonald's Bobby spoke of is on the way to the interstate, a couple minutes from their campus. The other one is about 15 minutes south of the campus. So not only did uh, they not have anything ready, and it took us forever to get in and out of there, um, we drove 15 minutes one way out of the way on a Wednesday night when we were already going to get home at 2.30. So, yeah, it, it definitely set me off a little bit. And I did time it how long it took us to get from the campus to the uh, McDonald's after I heard we were going to the one on the south side of town. Yeah, one of my worst meals meal situations happened out in Hastings, too. Uh, you know, Hastings is always a tough place to play. I um, mean, long bus ride just takes a lot of the guys and everything. So, we actually got whooped pretty bad that night, too. And, you know, I did my regular call the McDonald's afterwards, get the meals ready. And the coaches let a players meeting, players only meeting happen in the locker room. And that went on for about half hour. Well, in my head, I'm sitting there, I'm saying, well, crap, like, I hope that McDonald's is still going to, you know, have the food there ready for us. Like, thinking I wasn't just prank calling them. And so we ended up getting there. We get back on the bus and everything. All the guys are like, Bill, yo, like, why, are, why is our food so cold? Like, what's going on here? I'm like, guys, believe me, I was standing there outside the locker room. Like, do I recall them? Like, tell them, like, hey, we're going to be a little later than we first expected. But I didn't want to bring it up to anybody because, the, you know, Bill, at a time like this, do we really want to talk about McDonald's? You know, we just got beat bad. And so I just kind of kept to myself. And the guys got some cold McDonald's on the way home. And, you know, it's, yeah, Hastings is, must be a bad spot for student coaching. And yeah. meals. I don't. I don't know. A lot. Is there anything worse than cold fries from McDonald's? I mean, McDonald's French fries are kind of the gold standard of fast food yeah. French fries. Any French fry cold is terrible. So you know, I don't blame the guys, and I think an elite student coach would have made it happen, and we would have had warm French fries. You know, the Dr. Phil in me <clears throat> wants to say it. It doesn't sound like you can win, Jake. It just does not sound like you can win. Oh, so no, there's there's no, I mean, there's no winning when you're a student coach, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know much about the ins and outs of the day to day to the program, but man, it sounds like this is a tough job. So I I feel you guys. And, it, it added and, uh, years on or took years off my life, I should say. Um, yeah, you know that that'll that's another thing too. You know, it's, I have a little bit of you know um, paranoia or anxiety a little bit, and it never failed. We get about ten minutes down the road, and I get a text from Sfigera. Hey, Bill, you sure we got everything? And I'd sit there, i go over everything I need to bring, red jerseys, you know, extra jersey, towels, all this stuff. So I'm sitting there, the chairs for the bench, I'm sitting there just freaking out like I'm pretty sure I got everything. But Spaghetti is also notorious for hiding stuff too. So, you know, I figured he'd try to hide something from me. And if you did, as a student coach, if you lost something and Spaghetti got to hold on to it for more than a day, you owed him a cup of coffee. And there were times, I swear, he just took something from me and that didn't hide. That's just false. Like, I, I know I'm sure it is, but I kind of felt that way sometimes. You know, so. the bus thing, Dom Schwader was always in on that. Yeah, that I was know. kind of a running joke between him and I. Because so you guys both saw I don't, the squirm right as I got the That's text. right. I don't, want to, I don't want this to just fall on me. That was me and Dom together. 
Well, and Coach, can't we find one more six-man club member so we don't have to spend half of our student coach time hunting down 25-cent discounts on quarter-pounders? You know, hey, every little bit counts, Matt. You know, and if, if, if we can save 50 cents per meal, you know, on 15 road games times 20-some people we travel with, I'm no math magician, but that adds up pretty quick. Uh, one last thing that I kind of want to tie in, it goes with the meals and everything. Um, you know, a lot of people think there's some animosity between Corey Hobbs and I. You know, I'm going to tell you what. As Figueroa said I earlier. I mean, there was some violent blog post being yeah, yeah, we're um, written back and forth. You know, like Figueroa said, you know, I'm kind of the OG student coach that kind of got this rolling and everything. And I never had any ill will towards Hobbs. And one night I'm sitting there and I see this blog post come out. You know, Hobbs has been a student coach for all of three months. And I see this blog post come out. And he's taking shots at me about how he's already a better student coach. Well, you know, I'm sitting there. I'm not really thinking anything of it. Spaghetti calls me. He's like, Bill, there's a lot of facts in there that aren't right. So if you want to go check out the blog posts, you know, I can tweet it out or something. They're, they're still out there. I, I made sure I read them. I emailed over to Matt. But, yeah, it's, you know, we don't have any animosity. Hobbs likes to bring things up and try to get me riled up. So it does work. Um, but, yeah, back to where I was going with this, you know, Hobbs with meals. You know, obviously I wasn't good as, as good as Bush was. You know, he's, he's the master of getting the deals. But Hobbs one time, I think it was a subway in uh, Yankton he tried to call, tried to get a deal and didn't, did not get a deal. Which, did not get a deal and actually almost, said to me, and I impossible. quote, Coach, I even flirted with the lady. Well, see, that was, that was Hobbs' first problem right there. I mean, trying to flirt with somebody, I'm surprised she didn't charge more. But, you know, it's, it's almost impossible not to get some sort of deal. I don't even think he got coach's meals for free, which is – He didn't, and I walked right up to the counter, and I said, what kind of deal can you give us? And they said, oh, we give coaches free and bus drivers all the time. Yeah, so, you know, it's you know, that's the one thing I want to get at Corey. You know, obviously, you know – Hey, and I, I've got to step in and defend Hobbs here. You know, he's not here right now. We have two other student coaches here. Um, Hobbs has something on both these guys. Hobbs was legit as a scout team player in practice. And uh, Bobby's not allowed to ever do it again. Uh, Bilt fell down in a walkthrough. Kept the dribble, though. It wasn't a travel or anything else. I kept my dribble. That's debatable. I did. But, uh, you know, so Hobbs was the best scout team student coach we've had by far. I mean, he was on scholarship to play basketball at one point. So (laughs) I I hope that he was a little better scout player than Bobby and I. We were both golfers here at Briarcliff. So, I mean, you got to hope that. But, hey, to go off that, Hobbs never won the box. So there's a free throw competition we do before game days on Saturdays where everyone shoot, goes around and shoots free throws. You know, I think I won it a couple times. Dom won it a couple times. You know, just you know, all you got to do is make your free throws and be a well, little bit mentally tough. Absolutely. You have to be mentally tough in that game. And to be honest with you, Jake, no student coach since you and Dom has won the box. And Bobby's currently on a suspension for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, I think the suspensions happened one time where – you know, I think I came to shoot around in jeans. And you I had took shorts. your pants off. I had shorts on. <laughs> I had shorts on underneath. And Spaghetti's like, Bill, you can't be playing the box in jeans. So, so right there on the court, you know, I dropped my jeans and I had shorts on. And Spaghetti's like, Bill, that's a suspension. I think that's where the uh, student coach suspension all began. That was the began. first ever suspension in that game, actually. So, yeah. So, I, you're legendary, Jake. Yep, there's that legacy right there. And there's been plenty since. But, yeah, I just wanted to close out, you know, um, like I said – I never really knew what I was going to get into here when I was a student coach. You know, I played golf my freshman year. Um, I just hung out with all the guys a lot. And actually, Jake Shipley was the one that came up to me at lunch one day and said, hey, um, Coach Nelson wants to talk to you about maybe being a student coach. And, you know, all of us upperclassmen think you'd be good at it. So, 
you know, three years later, um, you know, it was, it's been a real blessing. You know, some of the best friends that I have in the world came from the basketball team and from Briarcliff. Um, you know, I'm still good friends with Bobby and all the new student coaches, um, all the new players. You know, it's always fun to come back and to get the chance to talk. And, you know, just with all the players and everything. And it's kind of fun just to hear that they still kind of know who I am, even though I was just kind of a, you know, a lowly student coach. But to any future student coaches that might be listening to this podcast, you do matter with the program. As much as you're going to get made fun of, um, ridiculed, um, you know, I love my time doing it. And, uh, you know, I just got to say thanks to Coach Nelson, Coach Figuera, for giving me the opportunity to be a student coach of the Briarcliff. We're not going to let you off the hook quite yet, because uh, as you know, you I know you're a listener of the podcast, so we generally try to ask some really quick questions to get to know you, and I think you've answered a few that we probably had, but we've got to hit a few of the, the usuals here, um, and I know yesterday we had chatted a little bit, and I think you have a unique take on the favorite basketball movie question, so let's go there. What's your favorite basketball movie? Yeah, I'm actually a big blue chips guy. So when I was growing up, I always loved that movie. You know, Shaq was in it. I was a big Penny Hardaway fan. You know, I always wanted a pair of the pennies when I was growing up. I never got Those any. Those pennies but, were no joke. I know. Yeah, Penny they, had some sweet shoes for a couple year run there yeah. when I was in middle school. Yep. So you know, I, I always wanted a pair of the pennies and everything. But you know, I just I like that movie. You know, it's you know trying to do the right thing, and then you see the the nastiness of what the sport can become and everything. You know, one of my favorite clips is when they. Uh, dropped the tractor off at the recruits house and um you know like i say you know shack was in it you know i'm not a big kazam guy but he was shack was pretty good shack was pretty good in blue chips and you know just a couple of those actors that were in there um penny hardaway obviously um you know so it's not your typical movie that you've been getting but yeah i loved blue chips growing up you know i just i love just how um you know everything happened in that movie and you know the bags of money and everything the mercedes the house the tractor so it was it was a good movie for me growing up as a kid. Um, so Jake, this question will require a little bit of background, but um, back in 2015, we went to the national tournament, and me and Zach Odding had you convinced you had to give a speech at the Dixie Stampede oh, yeah. about our team, um, and I know you fell for that hook, line, and sinker. What were you actually gonna say? You know, I, I was gonna get up there and I was just gonna you know talk about where we're from, you know, Sioux City, Iowa, but. Yeah, when you brought that up to me, I was like, ah, oh, they're just joking with me at first. But then Michael Collison came up, or I think Michael Collison texted me about it and said, yeah, I had to give the speech when uh, we went. And I was like, oh, no. Like, Collison's a good talker. You know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get up there and speak in front of all these other basketball teams. So, yeah, I was just going to basically get up there and say, you know, we're uh, from Sioux City, Iowa, the GPAC Conference. You know, maybe try to give us our record and everything. Um, we're the Chargers. You know, just kind of the uh, the easy stuff. And then... You know, I was probably going to give, like, a shout-out to my teammates and everything and try to walk off. And But, yeah, I was hook, line, and sinker for sure at the Dixie Stampede. And Sphere was watching me sweat the whole entire time. I was sitting there shaking while I eat my meal. And that goes back to the messing with me and trying to get me a little paranoid. So, yeah, that was, that was a good time. So, Jake, we've talked a lot about a lot of your memories from your time here. But uh, – question I like to ask is what what's the top memory or what's one of your best memories from your time at the cliff whether with basketball or otherwise um yeah so I mean obviously that 60 meter dash ranks right up there as probably my favorite memory um but uh on top of that I would say you know the game against Hastings here at home um where Austin Leffler made a game winning three um obviously it was a huge win for our season because you know we were actually the last team to get in the tournament that year um 2015 so without that three we probably don't make the national tournament but uh, it, it made for some great film, um, not only because Leffler made that game-winning three, 
But uh, you see me on the bench jump up, and I think I probably got a good two inches of vertical. Um, it wasn't much, but uh, you see me jump up, and I just take off across the court um, over to Leffler. So uh, I know the next day at the film session, um, we got that cut, and they said, you know, this is a great play. You know, Graves dumped it off to Leffler quick, made the three, but look at Bilt's quickness getting across the court, getting over to the crowd and everything. So, you know, that was one of my favorite memories just because, you know, it was – Another good time joking around with all the team and everything. So, Well, we're running a little long on time here, so we're going to get going uh, over to our listener questions. And we did have a question come in from former player Gage Rethwich. His question is, this is for Coach Figuera, in your time at Briarcliff, what are your top three plays and what are your worst three plays? Oh, man. You know, we've been fortunate. We've had a lot of best plays. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with the worst three plays. You know, number one is losing to IU East in the 2016 Elite Eight. You know, I can picture that play. It's just burned into my brain. Um, and, you know, that's the worst one. They beat us by two. Um, along those lines would probably be, you know, it's going to come down to a lot of national tournament games um, for both sides of this. Um, number two would probably be actually Jake Bilt's senior year. We turned the ball over with about three seconds left, down two against Davenport, and never even got a shot off. Um, so that one's definitely in there. And then similarly, um, 2017, we turned the ball over down three to Bellevue in the national tournament and never got a shot off to tie the game. So, I, uh, you know, those three are, the, are probably the worst three for me. Thanks for bringing that up, Gage. Um, you know, best three plays – that's a tough one. I mean, like I said, there's been so many, but I, I'm going to go probably towards the national tournament and the and the big-time late-season games we've played. Um, you know, I don't know that I have one play in particular, but just winning our first-round national tournament game last year was an awesome moment. Um, beating Oregon Tech, we had dealt with some adversity that week. You know, we didn't know if Eric Erdman was going to play. He was dealing with food poisoning. Um and uh, just winning that game and making some huge plays down the stretch was awesome. Uh, I would say the last three to five minutes of the 2016 GPAC Tournament Championship game against Nebraska Wesleyan, you know, Austin Pullen had kind of taken over the second half of that game. Um, and there's not one play in particular. Um, I, I suppose the one that sealed the deal was Brian Forbes caught at the top of the key, drove right down the middle of the lane for a finger roll, and it gave us the lead for good. Um, so that's a, that was a huge play. And then beyond that, I'm going to say the, the final defensive play of the 2012 first-round national tournament game. Um, we hadn't scored in like five minutes. Uh, that team was not all that offensively gifted. But we could really guard, and, and we didn't score literally the last five minutes of the game, and it came down to we needed one stop, and we got it. You know, And so those big games are always going to probably be more prevalent in my mind. Good question, Gage. And reminder, you can send those questions in to uh, us on Twitter at bcbucketscast or at bcbucketspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'll go into our shout-out section now, and I've got one here. Uh, somebody had passed along that the mother of former Briarcliff PA announcer Mike Cassicelli had passed away. So a uh, shout-out to Mike and uh, the entire Cassicelli family. You know, he's he was a big part of Briarcliff basketball for a long time and, and still part of the Charger family. And so thoughts and prayers with the Cassicellis. Yeah, I want to give a quick shout out to um, obviously all my teammates and stuff, but especially to the guys that I graduated with, um, you know, was up here for four years. They're still some of my best friends, was in towards his wedding. Um, 
you know. So yeah, some of my best friends. So shout out to uh, Zach Odding, Matt Berg, Ricky Torres, Dom Schwader, and Chris Blair. I just want to give a shout out to uh, Eric Erdman that he had a successful surgery this past Friday and is able to go home to Forest City with his family now. And uh, actually, his girlfriend, who is stationed in the Marines in Hawaii, actually surprised him yesterday without him knowing. So that was pretty cool. Uh, I thought too. So shout out to Eric and the uh, successful surgery. Yeah, and. Along those same lines, I'm going to give a shout-out to Tim Gallagher with the Sioux City Journal. Um, there's an article in the in the journal this morning. He wrote a really great article about Eric and, uh, you know, just his mental approach and how he's going to handle not being able to play and still have an impact on our team. And, you know, if you've read any of Tim's articles before, he does a great job. And it, I think he perfectly captured who Eric Erdman is in the article. You know, and I want to give uh, one final quick shout-out to uh, the Breed of Savings Bank, Coach Figuera. Always ask for pins, so um, they always hook me up with some blue and yellow pins since my time here at Briarcliff. Um, so I'm still trying to student coach, even though I'm not in the program anymore. So shout out to them for giving uh, Briarcliff basketball some blue and gold pins. Well, Jake, thanks for coming on. I know uh, I've been looking forward to this just based on some of the stories I had heard. Uh, and I know you've been listening to the podcast from day one. You reached out really early on and asked uh, when you might be able to have a chance to come on. Uh, to share some of those stories. So I know it means a lot to Coach and, and to a lot of the guys in the program. And so uh, keep listening, and uh, we'll certainly have you on again. Sounds good. Thank you very much. And as a parting gift, uh, here's a Briarcliff Student Coaching Manual by Jacob Bilt. Any chance I can get that front page autographed? You bet, yeah. I'll get my uh, Herbie Hancock on there for you. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, schedule is going to change a little bit. The next official episode of BC Buckets uh, will come out in two weeks. Uh, we'll record that the 30th, and then that'll come out on January uh, 1st. But we are going to record kind of a special uh, stocking stuffer episode for everybody next week, and that'll come out Christmas Day. So uh, on behalf of Jake, Bobby, Coach Figuera, everyone here, Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Safe travels, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Thanks.